Welcome to the Geek and Spiel podcast, D&D edition, uh, and... So formal. Uh, so... He's so formal. So, You're so, so cute. Keep on going. <laughs> name will be announced my, later. Yes. Yes. My, my name is Jeff. No, oh, sorry. I'm I'm Andrew Delecki. Hey, and this is Lloyd. <laughs> I mean, I want to give my last name. Fine, I I know. I I don't care about the stalkers. Let's, let's bring them on. <laughs> no, I live a very private yes. life. So. <laughs> so we are here to discuss uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I. We've all been part of the same D&D groups for... Close to five years now. Incredibly. Yeah, close to five years now. Five long years. Wow, it's been that long. Five torturous years. Nonsense, it's flown by. (laughs) (laughs) And I've only tortured you mildly. Uh, Well, you know. Knives can only be twisted so deep. And Lloyd is our resident uh, dungeon master. And Andrew and I have been playing for five years. Uh, Subjected to my advanced interrogation techniques, I think is a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really weird when you took out the waterboarding equipment that one time. Hey, hey, I like props when I play. I want to keep you guys in the experience. I want to make it feel real. Let your characters feel you need to feel them. Look, it it makes for better RPing. I'm all for it. Problem is we're playing in a public store and let them go over well. Yeah. SWAT came. It was weird. Yeah. But... uh, So... uh, We we regularly uh, meet uh, twice a week to run a campaign. But... uh, Unfortunately, Andrew hasn't been able to uh, come as often as usual. Yeah, I'm not quite the quite the regular anymore, but it's still deep within my heart. And he's always welcome to drop in and cool. see this. Uh, so, so subtle. This, it's so, so seeds, subtle. So the seeds of chaos. Yes. But yeah, with uh, we've actually been uh, running a campaign of... We actually just started of Tomb of Horrors which for uh, veteran uh, Dungeons & Dragons players was originally created in Dungeon, uh, Dungeons & Dragons 1.5 Advanced, right? Or presentation? Um, it was originally created when Gary Gygax got fed up with players just bragging about how they can just run through any of the published modules. And he created it to be run at Gen Con. I do not remember which one to murder everyone who even attempted it. He made a great show and dance of tearing up their character sheets and seeing all these people that were playing the same character for years burst into tears in front of him. And it was kind of what I want to do with it. (laughs) Sheer malicious torture. And that's why I don't show up anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So... we just found the entrance, and we've almost died three times already, so it's interesting. Um, were, your, were your deaths uh, uh, 
basically planned by Lloyd or were they of your own doing? Because we've been playing for a long time and um, let's just say this, Jeff, you have a way of uh, uh, creating your, your own pickles, as they say. Um. <laughs> I will give an example. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff loves to um, greet in-game all of his uh, non-playable playable characters with his signature hello. Whether it be the local barmaid or the giant... Um, Fire-breathing creature from the pits of hell. Yeah, it's always the same hello. And, and at that point, you realize that Jeff is his self-fulfilling prophecy of doom. Um, so when you say we only, we always, you know, we almost died three times during this campaign, it was, was it because of your own doing? It wasn't actually my fault. Oh, that's what they always say. (laughs) It is a, there are a fair bit of traps in the very beginning and, uh. Throughout the whole dungeon, let's be clear. Yes, throughout the whole dungeon, but... At the very beginning, we had uh, the a couple of traps there, and it wasn't my fault. Needed some very quick thinking to get out of that, <gasps> and luckily, with some lucky rolls and some quick use of spells, they managed to get out of a stone door that would have sealed them with no oxygen for ever. That's quite intricate. Yeah, it was a fun little... <laughs> little introduction to the terrifying, terrifying horrors they will face in the aptly named little adventure. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, some of the listeners might not even know what D&D is. Correct, yes. So, for those of you who don't know, Dungeons & Dragons is a role-playing game uh, where uh, basically a group of friends meet well, friends, I'm yeah, Loosely, here. loosely friends. <laughs> Victims. <laughs> Get together and uh, have one person, the dungeon master, basically run them through a story, a, a uh, campaign. So each session, uh, various things happen, and you have a, bun- you have a bunch of uh, fantasy... Uh, it's a fantasy setting. Or with the system, you can actually fairly easily port it into like modern day or uh, future even. But uh, the primary setting is in a fantasy realm. Uh, you roll dice, which I, which my dice hate me, and generally try and run away and. <coughs> Understatement. Yeah, so that's fun there, but. Over. That was too easy. I, I wasn't going to go after you that one. That one's like... Yeah, oh, no. It's like too easy. Yeah. <laughs> Your dice rolls are horrible. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter. But here's the thing. I, I, I want to play on what Jeff is saying because Dungeons & Dragons is... The best way I think about it is it's interactive storytelling. Collective storytelling. That's, that's true too. Yes. Everybody at the table gets to change the story subtly, overtly. Everybody has a story to tell, and you can tell as much or as little as you want. True. And there's also the element of chance. 
because you do have um, dice that you roll to determine success or failure and the effectiveness, basically, of what you do. So there's randomness along with basically where your imagination guides you, which is what draws a lot of people into the game, uh, drew, drew me into the game, because it's not just a mathematics game. It's not just a pattern repeat game. It's a sit around and almost tell a story with your friends and have a good time with it. And sometimes that, that story is not even in your control anymore. And that's what makes it fun. It's like an old campfire ghost story where everybody gets to add a little bit to it with some gaming elements thrown in. Yes, certainly. Um, that is Dungeons and Dragons in a nutshell. Um, so, boy, what first got you started with Dungeons and Dragons? The forbidden nature of it. So, during the 80s, there was something called the Satanic Panic, when good, good-intentioned parents everywhere worried that everything that kids were interested in contained an element that will draw them into the clutches of the devil. And along with heavy metal music, certain comic books, Dungeons and Dragons was one of the big no-nos. And having fairly, cons uh, having fairly conservative parents growing up, uh, I was not allowed anywhere near this. And even though I didn't know what it was, I was repeatedly told I was not allowed to play it. What do kids do when you tell them not to indulge in something? Eat an icy. Oh, I'm sorry. That's just me. No, I'm, I was fascinated by it. But I never had anyone to play with, so years went by. And when I finally got to college, one of my friends brought over the player's handbook and asked me if I'd be interested in playing. He left it with me for the weekend. This was third or 3.5. I'm not sure. And I... Sat there for the entire weekend, studied this book cover to cover, and started playing as a gnome barbarian. The stupidest character I could possibly make. Or most brilliant. It was. It was <laughs> superb. He could barely swing a sword. It was tons of fun. And yeah, I've been sort of playing on and off ever since. Until I got to Thailand, where I worked as a teacher, and decided that this might be a good tool to teach teenage boys how to speak English. And it worked like a charm, and since then I've been playing weekly for the past seven years or so. Yes. How about you, Andrew? D&D &D or role-playing? Okay. So, uh, I guess my first experience is not really D&D. &D. Uh... Back in high school, a group of my friends. Um, you were we, a larker. No, 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 not no, no, that, no, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so a bunch of my friends. We were, I'm gonna say, freshmen or no sophomores. Sophomores in high school, and uh, I went to a boarding school. So um, on the weekends, our we didn't have that much to do. We were in the middle of nowhere. You either hiked, uh, played a sport, or were bored a lot of the time. So Set small fires at random intervals. Right, and so being at a, a boarding school, you know, the fire, fire element was out. Um, I wasn't that big into sports. I liked sports, but I just, you know, I wasn't ever a big kid to play sports on a varsity level. So I, that was, so that was out. And it was just me and a couple of friends that really didn't have anything to do on the weekends. Uh, 
we uh, had a senior friend of ours who was from Germany, and he uh, introduced us to what was the game? Vampire, the Masquerade. Was it the Mat? No, Dark Ages. We played Dark Ages. Nice. Okay, so. Um, if we compare it, it's they're all the same. Well, not they're not all the same, but the the idea is the same. It's still interactive, collaborative storytelling. Uh, I guess you can consider Vampire less dice reliant and more narrative driven. Hence, how I play D and D is a lot more narrative driven than my dice rolls, because that's has how I learned. Um, and we used to play this on the weekends, and we used to get together, uh, literally just drink a, like, 3,000 gallons of Mountain Dew, multiple bags of Cheetos, and just go at it. And speak like the Count in Sesame Street. Oh, dude, my first character was a Malkavian that uh, every victim, he he used to shave off the finger, uh, the fingerprint and keep it in a book because Malkavians are naturally crazy and they have a tick. That was his tick. So everybody he killed or thought he would take a take a sit he would just shave off their finger that is awesome for their fingerprint and put into a book so i was nuts freaking nuts so that was my first experience with i guess this sort of you know rpg tabletop gaming Mm. then uh i got to college and not too many of my friends played uh D or that sort of game in college so, we I, I would play intermittently, but never never consistently. Honestly, when I got back into it, it was literally about when I met you guys about five years ago. So I had a huge stint in my life where I didn't play this at all, and also I never actually even played Dungeons and Dragons until I met you guys. Actually, I that's that's not true. I played Fourth Edition. In college, in those intermittent intermittent games, but I never really got into it. It was usually just a one-off thing where someone just handed me a sheet and said, "Hey, can you play this?" And I said, "Oh, okay, sure." But when I uh, met you guys, that was really the first time that I actually got back into tabletop gaming. And quick shout out, rest in peace, Games Master Games. Oh man, easy, Jeff. We'll get you some yeah. tissues, man. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> so when i met you guys then i started i started playing again and you know it's it's been history since then i i, I still enjoy it i had a lot of fun playing it um i repeat i i'm more of a narrative type player so i really like getting into my character story rather than min maxing that's not my thing i'm not a min maxer i'm a I'll make a really dumb character and try to make the best of it. <laughs> well, let's quickly explain what a min-maxer is. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm using terms. I'm, I'm using advanced terms. Yeah, I think just going forward, we'll need to explain jargon. And if anyone listening here doesn't understand any of the jargon we use, please feel free to put it in the comments and we'll see if we can get back to you and just explain what some of the esoteric phrases mean. Mm-hmm. So min-maxer is when you are building your character. You could decide what sort of class he is. Is he a fighter? Is he a magic user? What race he is? Is he human? Is he an elf? Is he a dwarf? And each of those give you bonuses or negatives to the the stats you're going to be using in the game. 
A min-max player is the player that looks not to tell a story with his character, but to gain the maximum advantage to everything that he does. So he'll try and make the best fighter character possible instead of an interesting character that tells a better story. None of my characters were powerful. No. And, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Extremely lucky, but never powerful. <laughs> and I respect that. I mean, the it's always there in the back of your mind. I don't want my character to die. I want him to be the most powerful. I want him to lead this story into greatness and just defeat everything in his path. But... That's not always the most interesting storytelling. Sometimes I agree. you want I, to have a bit more of a John McClane, a character that's not as powerful as everyone else. The odds are stacked against him. That makes a better story if he comes out victorious in the end. Exactly. That's how I... And also, you know, you're playing this with friends. You want to... My, my theory behind it is you want to make a story not play a video game. If I wanted to play a video game with my friends, I would play a video game with my friends. But when I play D&D, I, I approach it a lot differently. I approach it as, how, how, how can we make this, like, fun and keep it going? And that's, I think, for me, that's how I contribute to the group. I don't like to make the character that does 6,000 damage. I like the character that talks to rats and creates a tidal wave of vermin. Uh, the infamous stampede <laughs> actually was pigs right it was the best session <laughs> using a fear spell on a just a, a flock of pigs a herd it, of swine a herd of swine and using them to stampede over our enemies was <laughs> I think it was by accident. I didn't even... It was by accident. It took me aback, and then I said, you know what, I'm allowing it. This is hilarious. <laughs> and one of the big things with D&D is the more comedy you bring in, not just silly comedy, but the more unintentional comedic situations characters can get into, the better it is for everybody, the more fun everybody has. Mm -hmm. But Jeff, how did you get started in D&D? Well... See, <laughs> once there was a dice bag. There was a conspiracy. Just, you know this kid? We're going to give him the worst luck ever when it comes to the really important things. My first actual, uh, actual experience playing Dungeons & Dragons was uh, five years ago when uh, I was uh, <clears throat> bored. I was... Uh, Going through the internet and I saw, hey, why don't you come down to Master Game Master Games? We have a regular D&D session going on here. And I'm like, huh, I've never actually played this. Uh, let's give it a try. So I, I came in and uh, they gave me a character. And really, I haven't look, looked back since. Except for when I lose dice, or when they roll horribly. Or when the zombie and I lock you in a room with a basilisk and block the door so no one can help you. <laughs> that was a manticore. <laughs> Correction <are> noted. <laughs> I, I'm not the biggest into the, the role-playing like Andrew. You play a lot of... Uh, Character. A lot of the story-driven. I like how you didn't use an adjective. That was good. 
<laughs> you play a lot of characters. <laughs> Sorry, brain fart there. I was thinking. I, don't, I think that was purely intentional, but I love it. I love it. Keep going. Yeah, as your DM, I have had many an instance where I look and it's like, look at your character sheet and just go, what? <laughs> Why? Why Why are you doing this to me? And how do I why? respond? Why not? <laughs> and I usually let, I usually let you. Fine. Do it. Trust me, it'll work. <laughs> Nothing's going to go wrong. I'd say I'm somewhere between uh, Andrew and one of our other friends, uh, Dan. Oh, which Dan? Not Zamba. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure um, no one listening at home cares. <laughs> but uh, where Dan Dan is a little more of an analytical player, he's he's definitely not a min-maxer, but uh, he also likes to tell a little bit of a story with his characters. He's a little more on the uh, optimizing side, while... You, you are full story. <laughs> Dan loves the numbers. Andrew can't count without <laughs> using his fingers. And you know what's weird? I'm, a, I'm an accountant by trade. It's terrifying to me. <laughs> so I'd say I'm somewhere in the middle there. I definitely like the story end of it, but I do also like more of the crunchy numbers. Uh, the character I'm playing right now is a... Uh, uh, pyromaniac goblin? Is that fair as uh, concise? Yeah, pyromaniac goblin with a nervous tick where he giggles every time he sets up a spell. In fact, would you do the giggle for us right now just to illustrate? <laughs> that is not a giggle. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's a cackle. Maniacal laughter. <laughs> I think it's the term we're looking for here. Yeah, so... My characteristic is whenever he sets off a, sets something on fire, I should say, he'll do that laugh. So it happens quite often. With the way that we play our games, it's not necessarily a hugely story-driven. Like we have huge interactions with our characters, we have discussions and whatnot. Uh, we'll we'll be more of like. Uh, plan, discuss, and then we'll do the role-playing the actions. Half of the party will discuss actions in character and the other half won't and somehow we make it work. Yes. Like I just finished playing my character and I don't think I dropped the German accent once. <laughs> <laughs> only when you played your NPC. That was the only time that you did. <laughs> other than that, yeah. So... Uh, in D&D, they're, like Lloyd said, they're dwarves, they're elves, and they're a bunch of uh, sub-races from those. So, uh, some of them are very interesting, such as the Duergar. Lloyd, what are the Duergar? They're a subset of dwarves. They are the dark dwarves. They were driven off for their beliefs by their blighter, more good-aligned brethren and forced to live underground, where they now toil in an area called the Underdark. Their society is basically based on Eastern Germany before the fall of communism, so it's very much a police state. You're constantly being surveyed. Um, it's a They can turn invisible 
at will. So it's very easy to spy on your neighbor. It's very easy to have your conversations reported. So it's very paranoid. It's very harsh, a very harsh environment that they grow up in. So these are not friendly, lovable, gimli from Lord of the Rings type dwarves. They're dour little creatures. Especially when you play a cleric and happen to be a... Um... Member of the Nationalist Socialist Party. <laughs> yes. Yeah, put it that way. My character was not good. He was not heroic. He did not try and do anything for anyone else except put all undead creatures back in the grave. That was what his deity made him do. But apart from that, he didn't mind creating a few more graves while he was on the way there. And he treated the rest of his party like co-conspirators and underlings. Which, and cons constantly tried to brainwash all of them into his way of thinking. Yeah. Hence the German accent. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he was fun. <laughs> you missed out. I probably did. I don't doubt it. We have ways of making you talk, yeah? We have ways of making you roll dice. Roll I... higher, yeah? Still, <laughs> oh, still. Halt. I'm right. So, so here's, a here's a question I'm going to pose to you guys. Because one of the things I hear a lot from when we used to play at the store, and even some of the friends that I talk to now, their biggest, I think their number one question is not even... How do I play D&D? &D? How can I get started? I think that is a big question for a lot of people that are interested. And let's be honest, they're a little intimidated because it's now recently getting popular. I think it was an interest before, but now it's actually becoming mainstream and popular. You see a lot more podcasts, shows. A lot of celebrities admitting that they play it and coming right. out and just and gaining interest in the hobby. And I think it's important to address how people can get started this game. Because it's really not that hard. They've, they've really lowered the barriers to entry to this game. And we told our stories about how we got into D&D. &D. And I think that's sort of how we also tell people how to get into this game. Uh, a lot of gaming stores now, a lot of uh, libraries, meetup.com groups have these posts that say, hey, come join our D&D group. Or... Come learn to play. We're doing a session where we accept new players and teach you the basics. Yes. And the intimidation is meeting new people. I get it. <laughs> but that's really how you get started. That's Honestly, that's how we started as a group. We actually never met each other. We did not have any prior <clears throat> connections whatsoever. We went to a D&D Encounters game once on a Wednesday at Game Master Games. Rest in peace. Can we pour some out for our homies? <laughs> I never stopped. <laughs> and uh, it was purely by chance that we all sat around the same table and we played a game of D&D &D together and it just grew to a point where we met every Wednesday for encounters and we said, you know what? Would you guys be interested in doing something on our own? And that's where that's really, I think, how if you've never played before and you don't have a group of friends that are currently doing it or have an interest in it, that's really your best way of going about it. Another way that works really well, especially uh, if you live in a smaller place where there aren't uh, that many game stores or places where people can meet up, is to play online. 
websites like Roll20 are completely free and they have public boards where they post um, uh, ads looking for new players where you can just join in there and you don't have to meet someone face to face. You just play over the internet. It's called a virtual tabletop and it's really easy to get into. Everything is a mouse click away. You can roll your dice on there. Everything is done for you. And it's also a good way to meet new people, make friends, chatting through their built-in video conferencing software or through Skype. You can get to know the other players. Yeah, certainly. And going to Roll20, you can do it as a completely free program. It's a great setup. But Lloyd, you have been working how many hours on it? I put about 130 hours into setting up our campaign currently. And we haven't started yet. Yeah, so... But to be fair, I, I yes, Lloyd is putting in that much time. But um, I don't think that's a barrier for new players, though. That's, no, that's, that's for dungeon master. That's a dungeon master and a, mm-hmm. a someone a that's a, like myself exactly. who will put in that sort of time because, yeah, I want to. There's no need. You can buy Dun- you can buy an adventure on there and run it straight out of the box with no prep whatsoever. Yeah, don't oh. think that you're gonna you need 130 hours to get into even a roll twenty game. You can absolutely not. You can just. You know, jump into a, uh, what do they call it now? The forum boards, right? The forum forums, yes. And just, you know, introduce yourself, say, hey, you know, I may be interested in joining. And sure enough, if they have the space, they're probably going to let you in. Yeah. What I was really saying about that is that it can be a very... uh, Robust system. Robust or very flexible system. So you don't have to be Lloyd where you're spending 130 hours working on it on the campaign. But you also can do that if you wish to. You can program in your own music, your own sound effects, your own maps, make your own tokens for it. Or you can just use what they have available and it's perfectly serviceable. I just like to go overboard with these things. And we love you for it all the more. (laughs) Just please don't kill me. (laughs) I promise nothing. (laughs) Um, Another thing is, you look at these books that you have to buy for D&D, these 500 page tomes filled with rules and numbers and stats and it looks very intimidating um what is what are your thoughts on that i don't own a single book except for the player the first book and i think that speaks volumes considering how many different races i've played there's so many resources online that you can look up to find the information that you need and also if you have a good gaming group like a good solid gaming group you only need one set of books realistically amongst all of you you don't everybody doesn't need to buy every single book and that's how i view it i i think that if you want to get deeper and deeper into the experience you're going to want to get the books but to really just start out all you need is the player's handbook and you're and you're you're set to go for your first campaign i would actually argue that you don't even need that the makers of dungeons and dragons a company called wizards of the coast have put the basic rules on their website which covers everything you need to play your first 10 games, 20 that, games, hundreds of hours that you can play for absolutely free, which I think is very generous of them. Oh, certainly. And you don't have to pay for anything until you feel you want more options. 
what you're paying for with this game is more options, more monsters, more classes, more spells. But if you're fine with what they give you, and they are very generous with how much they give you, you can play for <coughs> years without spending a cent on this. Yeah. Unless you're me who has to collect things. <laughs> so I'm a... <laughs> a hoarder. Yes, of hell. <laughs> yeah. I am a hoarder slash collector. I've bought a he... fair bit of the 5th edition adventures and uh, basically all of the rule books, the DMG, the uh, Dungeon Manager's Guide, the uh, Monster Manual, a Player's Handbook. Uh, but that's just me because I have a problem collecting things. I like collections. We're going to find his corpse on a reality TV show one day, hidden behind 18 cartons of unopened dice-based games <laughs> and a collapsed stack of board games from the 1980s. I also want to add one other thing to the starting of D&D. You, if you're interested in D&D right now and you want to get into it, you're actually you're actually able to join one in one of the most new player friendly editions ever in D&D history and i truly mean this uh, 3 3.5 4 they are not new player friendly you had to be playing for at least a couple of years to really understand the rule book absolutely uh first edition was does not make sense to me i have played it I've read the rules, I've tried running it, it makes zero sense, it was gibberish. Fifth edition is really easy to pick up. Streamlined is the word I like. And what I liked also about fifth edition is that they did not make it so easy that they simplified the options that they're adding onto the game. They didn't oversimplify this game. It can be as complicated as you want it to be but only as how complicated you want it to be. They cut out complexity, but not depth. Correct. Mm -hmm. It's still a very deep system. You can still do anything your imagination wants. There is a rule for almost anything you can think of, and if not, it's very easy to find a substitute in the rules that'll serve just as well. But at the same time, it's very easy to quickly look over the rules and understand exactly what you need to do in what situation. Right. So for people that are intimidated by the rule system, you're joining during a great time. If, this would, if you have a group of friends that want to run a fourth edition game and you're brand new, I would say sit that one out. Go find a fifth edition game. You will, you will have a much better first experience doing it that way i'll co-sign that and even if you are still kind of intimidated by them there are thousands of options that you can look at to get a overview or like a kind of general gist of the game uh like one of the more prominent ones geek and sundry does their critical role twitch show which is a massive sprawling thing but it gives you a preview of what it can be like it i love the system because it can be that huge like whole entire movie franchise thing going on 
or it can be like one uh, monster of the day ep episodes uh, things like you don't even have to go into a sprawling campaign you can just do a quick one shot if you don't like it then eh, it was only a couple hours out of my day but if you love it it can last you a lifetime with a set of dice a pencil, a piece of paper, and the free rules online, there's no limit to what you can play. What you and a bunch of friends can put together. It's, it's mind-blowing. It is one of the most addictive things I've ever gotten myself involved with. And I do recommend giving it at least one go. If somehow you stumbled on this D&D web uh, podcast without knowing what D&D was, which seems unlikely, and you mm. haven't tried it yet, give it a go. And you will meet people. That's the other thing. If you don't have a gaming group and you're looking to play with a group of people, you will learn what those people are like. This is a personality game. You will know exactly how they tick, how they function, what buttons you can press, what <laughs> buttons you shouldn't press. It's, it's a really cool dynamic. So if you're one of those so socially awkward people out there, this is also a very good, you know, way to get yourself out there and meet new people. Yeah, certainly. I was extremely socially awkward. Still am. But uh, since meeting the guys, I've, I'd say I've gotten better. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> you're, my, we'll do that. you're my favorite deputy, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I would totally trust you as you, st as you drive the knife into my back. I'm glad you realized it was me. <laughs> as long as you knew as you're going down. Oh, good. You knew it was me. Shh, now hush. Now sleep. <laughs> well, let's give listeners a preview of topics we might be tackling in future episodes, just so they'll stick around. Yeah, certainly. So, uh, we'll most likely be going over... Uh, the status of our of our campaign, how many times we've died, or have the, Alari died. the hilarious ways in which it happened. Exactly. Yes, most likely by my hand. I'm uh, glad you realized your problem. The first step is admitting it, Jeff. <laughs> but uh, also, we uh, Wizards of the Coast is constantly coming out with new content through their beta system called Unearthed Arcana. And also coming out with new books. Uh, Xanathar's Guide to the Xanathar's Guide to Everything is coming out very soon, which expands the rules exponentially. That one will be a fun one to delve into on this. Certainly, and also we can review uh, kind of like the other things that came out, like the uh, older campaigns, like Temp uh, Princes of the Apocalypse, Horde of the Dragon Queen. There, um, and. Just in general, we'll have other guests come on and discuss. We'll try and uh, stay entertaining, and I hope you guys enjoyed our... Uh, banter. Ba banter, yes. <laughs> yeah, as always, if there's anything you want us to add, if there's anything you didn't like, hit us up in the comments. We may pay attention to them, we may not. We'll see what our mood, mood <laughs> is like that day. I will most likely pay attention and... <laughs> As this is part of the Geek and Spiel podcast, uh, Jacob will as well, so you'll have... Uh, we will try to answer your questions and take in, 
take your advice into uh, consideration. Though we'll most likely ignore it. But no, we love you all. Anyway, uh... what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm Jeff. I'm Andrew. And I'm Lloyd. Thank you for listening, and this has been the Geek and Spiel podcast. My DD all, edition. May all your roles be crits. <laughs>